So we've been in this series called Faith, or the Hall of Faith. And so we're going through these people that at the very beginning of this, of this chapter, it says that faith is, is the confidence that what we hope for will come true and that it's the evidence of things that we cannot see. And so just so that we could get a better understanding of that, it goes through all these people. It says, by faith, this person, by faith, that person. And, and what's amazing is, is that each one of these people, and I'm seeing this as I'm, as I'm just like looking at each person Every week, I'm not looking at them as a whole, but just like I'm trying to focus on, you know, Enoch, or I'm just trying to focus on, on Noah, but all these people embody faith so well. It's like, it's like the perfect picture of faith every time, but they're different stories. And it's, it's just amazing to me the, the fact that we may not really grasp what faith is but we can look at these people and see how they, how they lived and we can see what they did and we can see their acts of obedience and their heart behind things. We can look at their stories and say, I can relate to that because I feel that way. I can feel God pulling my heart this way and, it, and I, I'm going this way and, and, and I know that I don't know where I'm going but I'm following after God and this is faith. I'm walking with God or He's telling me to build this so-called ark in my life and I'm going to build it and I can feel it and you can look at these people's stories and say that's what faith is without really even being able to define it in your head you just know in your heart that's what that is that's what faith is and that's amazing to me because sometimes it it just don't click up here sometimes I just I think too deeply into things I'm just like I I really don't know what it is you know and so like what is faith you can't see it and I'm just like I need to be able to to see one plus one equals two. Like, I need to be able to see that, but really, you're just looking at faith. But man, I feel it. I know what that is. I can see it in their life, and, and I can see it in my own, and, and now I just have, I just have faith that, I, that it's okay. I understand it with my heart. Maybe not even with my mind, but with my heart, I understand it. And so, I don't know. You may not get what I was trying to say. Is sometimes I just ramble, but we're going to look at the life of Abraham tonight. And just to be quite honest with you, I don't really know what to say about this dude. Like, I'm, I'm just looking at it, and for the other for the other people, it was kind of it was really simple. Their stories weren't really in depth. You know, like Noah built a built an ark, and then you had Enoch who walked with God, then he was not. And then you had you know you had Cain and Abel. You know the you know Cain killed Abel. You know it wasn't extremely in depth, but we get it. And then Abraham's life is like. It's like 20 chapters in the Bible, you know. It's like you're just looking at it like, man, whoa, whoa, you know, slow down there, you know. I'm just, I'm looking at it like that's too much information, but then I don't have as much to say about it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just like, what in the world is going on? But then I figured it out. So we're going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. So starting in verse eight in chapter 11. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So we're going to turn to Genesis 
chapter 12, and we're going to see exactly what that the story actually is. We're not going to read the whole thing because, like I said, it's like 20 chapters, but uh, we're going to look at just chapter 12, 1 through 9. And I don't know if it'll be on the screen or not, but y'all just listen. Probably a good thing for us to just listen and, and hear it and just soak God's Word in. The Lord has said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord has instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he, had, when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into that household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give you, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abraham and Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord and had appeared, who had appeared to him. After that, Abraham traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward Negev. So what I first want to point out is the fact that Abraham obeyed. If there's anything that is continuing to show up in these people's lives is the fact that they obeyed. And we just don't want to hear that word. And I'm thinking this week, like, man, this is so hard to teach week after week after week, being so harsh and being like, you've got to obey. And, you know, it's like, I really don't want people to to take on this mindset that they've got to follow these rules because that really just kind of pushes people away. But if you really look at it and, and you're looking at everybody's life that has to do with faith is marked by obedience, It's the fact that they are doing what God has called them to do. And like I said before, when you look at somebody's life, the only way that you can tell whether they are or are not a follower or do or do not have faith is by their fruits, by what they do, how they act, what they say, who they hang out with, and and how they hang out with those people. Like, you look at their life and and you can see, like, what are the fruits of their life? Because they say this, but they do this, and it doesn't really match up. Or they say this, and they actually do it. So, you know, they either may be hot or they may be cold, whatever it may be. That is the only way we can actually see. And then the thing that keeps showing up is obedience. And the very first thing I said about Abraham was that it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God. He obeyed God. Now, I just want to kind of break this down just a little bit because when we first started reading about Abraham in chapter 12 in Genesis, it had said nothing about him before that. It had this list of, of people with all kinds of weird names again just to show that these are the people that were before him and it's kind of like, you know, you think it's pointless, but it's really not. And then at the very end, it says, and Abraham was born by so-and-so, and, and this was their mom and dad. And it's like he had these sisters and brothers or whatever it was. And then it said, God called Abraham to go to a land 
without his relatives and to just leave his homeland. So we're looking at that and he has like no prior, like we're not looking at, this dude is not just like the most godly guy in the world. You see what I'm saying? Like he is just, uh, I would say like what, you, what we would say is a nobody. He's just a guy here on earth. He's just an everyday dude. And God called him to go to a land that was not his. He does not know where he's going. And God called him and he obeyed. And I asked the guy this question day at work. I said, I said, if God, if, if, I was like, would you say that you're a Christian? And uh, he was like, man, you always ask me these questions. And I was like, I'm just trying to work, man. It's, you ask me all these serious questions. And I was like, man, I just, you know, nothing. I just like, hey, would you, or are you or are you not? You know, like, are you or are you not a basketball player, you know? And uh, he was like, well, I guess I'm, I'm not. And I was like, okay, so if you're not a Christian and you just felt God speak to your heart and say, go here. Leave your family, because this guy, he talks about his family all the time. He loves his family. If he can go and visit his family and take off work, he's going to do it. He loves hanging out with his family. And so I say, if, God, if you knew it was God speaking to your heart and called you to go to a different land, leave your relatives and go somewhere where you've never been before and leave it all behind, basically give up everything, would you? He was like, I, I, I want to say yes, but I don't know. And this dude's just average, and he went. He just went. And it's as simple as that. He just went. And you got a choice, you know? It's, just, it's crazy that we all have a choice. And it's just crazy to me that you can't, you can't talk about it in any other way. You really can't. It's just, he called you to go. He's calling you to salvation. It, you know, if you're in here, you, you've probably heard it before. And you've probably been called to salvation before by a guy who's speaking to your heart, whether you listen to him or not. But there's no other way to say it than the fact that he went. And there's no other way to say it than the fact that someone didn't go. And so he went. And the very next thing it says is that Abraham went without knowing where he was going. And so, for the person in here who's struggling, for the person in here who is struggling with something in their heart, just something that's weighing it down, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. He calls people that are nobodies. He calls those who, who seem insignificant. If you are feeling insignificant, He calls you. He's calling you to do something great. He's calling you to come to Himself. He's calling you, yes, to go somewhere where you don't know. And He's calling you to leave everything behind. And it seems scary. And you're struggling with it. And you're like, I don't know what to do. And I'm searching, but I can't find what I'm looking for in anything in this world. I can't find I can't find satisfaction. I can't find that 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 food that's gonna fill my soul's hunger. And we talk about it over and over again. It's like I can't find it. And then all of a sudden God calls you. And you know in your heart, just your heart's pounding, you're like, I know this is what my heart is searching for. 
I know that if I give in to this, it's going to be filled. That hole in my heart is going to be filled. I know if I, if I go with this, I, I'm going to lose control. I'm not going to have control of my life anymore, but I know it's what I need. If you're struggling, don't lose heart. Just because nobody else is doing it doesn't mean you can't. And when God changes your heart, don't be scared. It's going to happen. He's going to make you a new creation, but don't be scared. So Abraham went without knowing where he was going. And then immediately after that, it says that when he went to this land, so he's going, he doesn't know where he's going, he just went. And then immediately after that, it says that, that God led him to the land of the Canaanites. And so when he got there, God told him, was like, see all this land? You look as far to the, to the left, you look as far to the right and north and south as you possibly can. All this land that you see will be yours. It will be your inheritance. This is the land that I'm going to promise you. And he gets there. And he's living there like a foreigner in a tent. He's living in a land that God has promised him in the future. And he's living there as a foreigner. He doesn't fit in. He, he, he's not hanging out with the Canaanites like, hey, yo, man, this is my land. I'm going to take it over eventually. I appreciate y'all being here. appreciate y'all keeping it up till the time comes. He's not, he, he's not welcomed He's a foreigner. They're not, they're not taking him in. He's not going with the crowd. He's there by faith. And he's, he's having to stay there saying like, alright, I'm here, but I don't know exactly how this is supposed to go. Like, what's next? You know, like I'm in a tent and I'm chilling. Got a campfire, but what's next? And let me tell you something. He had to leave. He had to leave the land that God said, this is going to be the land that I'm promising you. This is going to be the land that you're inheriting. And he had to leave because there was a famine in the land. There was no more food. So we come to a part of our faith walk where we feel like a foreigner. See, once we were a part of the world, and now we're not because we're a new creation. And so we're living here. You got a million people going this way and you're going this way. And they're trying to grab you every chance they can get and turn you around so that you'll go with them. And you're living there as a foreigner and you're discouraged because they're not welcoming you in. You have a strong passion and a strong longing in your heart to do what God has called you to do, but there's really nobody pouring it into you saying, this is what you can do next. You're having to live there by faith. You're having to live in that moment by faith and say, I'm just going to keep living here as a foreigner. I'm not going to be a part of this world anymore because I'm a new creation. And it gets discouraging. It really does. It's extremely discouraging. To know that what is in your heart is so real that you cannot let it go. That this grace that has captured your heart has, has got you and it's not going to let you go. 
You once were a slave to this world and the things that were in it, and you were a slave to, the, to lust. You were a slave to pride. You were a slave to material things. You were a slave to acceptance. You were a slave to doing what everybody else is doing, and you couldn't get free. And then all of a sudden, this, this freedom comes in, and, and the, the chains are broken. You're free from your sin, and you can't go back. You're like, God, it looks so pleasing, but I can't go back. And you're discouraged because you're a foreigner. You're not of this world. You're not living for this world. You're living in it, but you're not living for it. And so then it goes on to say that his sons, eventually when he had sons, at this point he didn't have any, but in Hebrews chapter 11 it says that his sons did the same thing. His sons lived in this land. They, they lived in this land as a foreigner in tents. You know what that tells me? See, I was really confused by it because I'm like, well, it talks about Sarah next, and we kind of know the background of the story that Sarah couldn't have kids, and she was really old. And then down lower in the uh, chapter 11 in Hebrews, it talks about Abraham again, about, you know, like his son Isaac and all this kind of stuff. But at this point, he didn't have any sons. So I was confused. I was like, it, it just caught me by surprise. I was just sitting in there and I was like, hold up. He didn't have any sons. And I was like, what is this supposed to mean? And I see, I'm just like, God kept his promise and his promise never changed. His promise is still the same. He's not changing. He will never change. His love for us will never change. His promise for the promised land will never change. It will go in generation after generation after generation. It doesn't change. That's amazing. The fact that He looks at us with the same amount of patience as he did Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's looking at us with that same amount of patience. And we're thinking, was like, well, well I, want, I want that. I want what Abraham has. It's still here. That same hope is still here. And then it goes on to say, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So the fact is, is Abraham, this is what's funny, Abraham never got the land that was promised to him. Now, it might seem odd, but God showed him the land and he told him, that your descendants are going to be as many as the stars and as many as the sands on the seashore. He said, I'm going to give this land to you and to all your descendants. And so we looked at him, man, they went this, he went this whole life without ever experiencing the promise that, that God had promised him. But it's much more beautiful than that. He was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. 
a city that was designed and built by God. Now I'm looking at this whole thing. I'm taking in every, everything this story is telling me. And I'm like, that is the perfect picture of the Christian life. We're here. We're foreigners. We're living by faith and we're having to obey to go somewhere that we don't know where, but we're having to go. We feel God calling us. We go. We go and share the gospel in Haiti and across the world. And God's put these dreams. God's put these passions and these longings in your heart. And we need to go for it. And we're, we're here living as foreigners and we're looking forward to a land that was designed and built by God, a city that is designed and built by God is not here. It's in heaven. Heaven is the city. And I feel like we don't talk about this enough because this is for real. Like, heaven is the most undeserved gift that we could ever have. We got two places. We got... Forever punishment or forever life with our Savior. And that should overwhelm your heart with love. The fact that God looked upon us with such grace and He said, I am going to allow you to spend eternity with me. Apart from all the sins, apart from all the things that weigh you down, apart from all the things that are holding you in bondage, apart from the heartbreak, apart from the sorrow, apart from every struggle, every temptation that you have, everything in this life that is bad, I'm going to take all that away, even though we brought it on ourselves, and I'm going to give you life with me forever with no struggles, no sorrows, no pain, no anything but perfection. No, anything but forever love, forever joy, everything that we could ever want and more is going to be there with Him. And the fact that it's heaven is not because it has streets of gold. Just because it's not heaven just because it has pearly gates. It's not heaven just because we have a mansion or a room there. It's heaven because God is there, because Jesus is there, our Savior is there, and we get to spend forever with Him. That's why it's heaven. And He built it for us, and that should overwhelm our hearts with love and with joy and with, and with just not humility, just not feeling like we deserve. It's like, God, I can't believe you love me so much that I would get to spend eternity with you. I, it's not about the streets of gold, God, but thank you. Thank you for spending so much time just showing me so much love. And so to narrow all of it down, we're looking at Abraham's life. Abraham looked at God's promise. The promised land ended up being what Moses went into, ended up being a place where Jesus was born. So the land represented redemption, represented salvation. And if you look at that, Abraham looked at Jesus, looked at God as his ultimate treasure. We've talked about God and Jesus filling the, the hunger of your soul and filling the, the thirst of your soul. He's going he's gonna to satisfy those things. But not only does He satisfy the hunger in your soul, and not only does He satisfy the thirst in your soul, he should be the treasure of your life. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
So you look at your life and you're like, man, where is my heart? Where is my heart? Is my heart with God? You can tell where, all, where, where your mind is, where your heart is on a daily basis. Like, what do I focus on? And I'm just struggling. I'm like, I'm like I, I, wanna, I, I don't want to be so, so just straightforward and just be like, God has to be your treasure. But that is such a beautiful thing. God being your treasure. God being everything you live for. And we're looking at it, some of us are looking at it like, like, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want God. I don't know if I want Jesus to be my ultimate treasure. Everything I live for, everything I search for is going to be through Him. I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want Jesus to be number one. We look at it like, oh, God's number one, then we got so-and-so number two, and all this kind of stuff. No, no, no. no. It's not that God is number one just above some uh, list of things. No, God replaces everything that's important. You have something number one in your life, whether it's a relationship or, or pride yourself, whatever it may be, God replaces that and knocks everything else off the totem pole. He says, no, I am number one. I am who you live your life for. Everything else comes, it just comes. Okay, I got you. That's what God's trying to say. Trust me. Make me your treasure. Seek me out. Live for me. Do everything you do for my glory, and I will satisfy your hunger. I will satisfy your thirst. I will be what you live for, and I will do everything for you. I'll do your work. I'll take care of your burdens. I'll take care of everything you need. If you would just seek after me, make me your number one. I will be your treasure. If you would just do that. If you would just do that, it would take away everything that weighs you down. And it would bring salvation to your soul. And you say, I have a hope. I have a light in me that I'm going to live for. I have a purpose. I have a meaning now. Without God, you can do nothing. And he's saying, make me your treasure. Not just for me. Do it for you. I know it sounds weird, but it's the best for you. He's doing all this just so you can recognize that the thing you need most is Him to be your treasure. And that's what faith is. It's recognizing that He is the most valuable thing you could ever seek after. There is nothing even close. Everything else is just garbage. Everything else is just doo-doo compared to Him. Everything else is just... There's not, you, can't, you don't even think about it. When you think about, about God, He is so much better than everything else. It's ridiculous. And we look at God or school. We don't need to get a, 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 a career that's going to have a lot of money. It's, it's God or this. Because I know God's not really calling me this. I'm going to choose this. Yeah, because I'd rather, I'd rather have you know, a nice house or whatever. It's God or this relationship. Because I really don't, really don't want to break up with him or her because you know, it might cause me a little discomfort. No, God is so much more valuable than anything. We pretend like he's just number one, then we've got this number two, and we can spend all our time on two, three, four, five, six through 20. We can spend all of our time doing that and just, just in our head we think, oh, God's number one. No, like, what do you live your life for? Is he your treasure? Are you following him, not knowing where you're going, just trusting that he has a destination for you? Is that your life? Because I feel like sometimes we just, we just miss that. Even, even people, you know, we're, we're looking, I'm just like, like, oh my gosh, you know? It just frustrates me so bad to think that, 
that, that we call God our treasure, yet we don't seek after him. We, don't, we can't even tell. We can't even tell that, that, you, that you're a Christian half the time. Just think about it. If you're in public, if you're in school or wherever, and someone's looking at you, do they see that God is your treasure? Do they see that, that Jesus is everything you live for and that, that he, you are a new creation? Probably not. Probably not. And that should say something about what you're seeking after. And you're seeking after something that won't satisfy. I felt kind of bad when God told me that. He said, you're seeking after something that won't satisfy. And then when I finally humbled myself, I said, you know what? He probably knows more than me. Why don't you just take his advice? And I took it, and my heart overflowed with love. My heart overflowed with, with him, with humility, and said, God, I just want you. What does your life look like? Is he your treasure? Is he your everything? He doesn't have to be. That's what he wants to be. He wants to be your everything. He wants to be who you depend on. He wants to be there for you. He wants to overwhelm your heart with love. He wants to overwhelm your heart with satisfaction. He wants to overwhelm your heart with joy. He wants to be your meaning. He wants to show you purpose in this life. He wants to do all those things for you. He wants to set you free from the bondage of your sin. Yeah, we just keep looking at self. And we don't make him our treasure. So, if you feel God just wanting to be your treasure... Just take it. Do like Abraham. Go. Go without knowing where you're going. Just trust Him. Trust that He has control. And let Him just fill you up with all that love. If you feel God speaking to you, you can pray at your seat. You can pray down here. You can grab a friend. You can pray with me if you want. Because to be honest, I'm kind of heavy right now. My heart's kind of heavy. You can go outside and pray. You can do whatever. But right now, can we just make God everything? Can we just put Him at number one and say, God, we want You more than we want anything. God, we want You more than we want sleep. We want You more than we want our next meal. That's how bad we want You, Lord. So can you join me in making Him number one and just praising Him and depending on Him because our hearts are heavy right now. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we feel inadequate. Sometimes we feel like we don't know where we're going and that we need to know Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we get frustrated because we're living as foreigners. We feel like no one's accepting us. We feel like we're not understood. God, there's some people in here feeling like they don't understand you. That's just frustrating. And it's hard. But God, we don't want to just steer away from it just because it's hard. God, we want to, we want to go at it full force and just trust you. We want to trust in your strength, Lord. 
So God, I pray you would just you'd be with us in this time. And so you would speak to hearts. God, if you have to wipe out everything that I said in people's minds, God, just to speak to them, God, I, I don't know if I, if I push people further away or if I, if I was used so that people would be drawn to you, God. Regardless, I pray that they would just hear you right now. And God, I, I pray that whatever path you have me on, that I wouldn't hinder anybody from coming to you. Because, that, God, that is my one heart's desire is to be with you. I want to be with you, God. I want you to be with me all the time. And I want other people to experience that too. Lord, I pray right now it would just be that you speak to every individual heart, that you would help us to pray with vulnerability and with humility so we can just let it all out. And we can just say, God, I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm tired. I'm discouraged. I feel like giving up. I feel like this life is not worth living. Pray you just help us get it all out, Lord, so we can just take on your strength because we are weak. Lord, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.